Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. Are you waiting for Brad to talk? Brad is not on this week's show. He is super busy in New York, so it's just me. And really, it's just a show to um, go back to the year 2008 and relive a conversation that we had with ABC frontman Martin Fry. Do you remember the uh, tour they did then? It was the Regeneration Tour, and it was Human League. ABC, Belinda Carlisle, uh, Flock of Seagulls, um, Naked Eyes, and it was a great tour. Uh, a lot of those tours back then, power-packed. What's interesting is almost all those acts are, again, coming on the 2022 Voyage of the 80s cruise. Uh, if you were on the waiting list for that, um, good news, the waiting list is starting to uh, you know, sell some cabins. So if you haven't already been... Go to www.the80scruise.com, add your name. I think your odds are pretty good. But back in 2008, it was episode 130, and this was one of the very first interviews that I did solo for Stuck in the 80s, and I can't, I'm not so sure I'm excited about reliving it. At the time, I thought it was a pretty good interview, and I will say this, Martin Fry is by far one of the most gracious polite and open guests that we've ever had on Stuck in the 80s. And so I am kind of excited to hear it again, and I am looking forward to seeing him on the 80s cruise. Uh, Martin's going to tell some stories about how he was a pop star coach uh, (laughs) for uh, one of our favorite 90s performers. And uh, he'll talk about the silvery suit that we all love so much, the gold jacket, and we'll we'll listen to some some hit songs. Uh, We'll be back soon with a new show. We've already got one in the bucket. We just need we just need some time to put it together. It has been a crazy, insane summer, and the way the fall is shaping up, I wouldn't be surprised if it continues. But in the meantime, sit back and enjoy this interview with ABC frontman Martin Fry. I actually get... Uh to fulfill uh, like a 20-year-old dream here, because not only do I get to talk to you today, but I also get to see, you, see ABC perform live twice in the same month, because yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be there in Vegas. Oh, fantastic. So, uh, so I have to wait 25 years, and then I get to see you twice. Uh, you, you won't be disappointed, yeah. I better not be. I can't wait to see you guys play live. I had to lay some glitz down in Vegas. You know, it always brings that out in everybody that ever plays Vegas. If, uh, are you looking forward to this, the regeneration? Yeah, program? very much so. Um, about a year ago, we did some shows. Um, we played a lot of club dates. Then we did some shows with the Human League that culminated at the um, Hollywood Bowl, and it worked out really well. So from that, I think that the idea with various promoters came about to do the Regeneration Tour. Do you feel comfortable doing tours that involve a lot of uh, acts from the 80s? Well, back in the 80s, everybody hated each other. 
Yeah, they'd stand on each side of the um, the TV studio and, and, and glare at each other. Because uh, everybody was chasing that number one spot, weren't they? Oh, yeah. I think. Uh, all these years on now, we've, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of respect. I've got a lot of respect for all the other artists that we're going to be on stage alongside. Now, now is there any but it kind of works well because the audiences love the show. I mean, uh, it is like standing inside a human jukebox, and collectively there's a lot of hit records uh, there to perform. Is it, is it hard to throw together a set list for a show like this because there's so many bands and so little time? Yeah. Um, I'm going to abbreviate some of the songs so we get to play all the hits and some of the new songs as well. Uh, no, it's, it's tough on me because, uh, yeah, I don't get a chance to take a breath between songs. That's all. Yeah. But now, you, you talked about how back in the 80s, these band, you know, a lot of bands didn't like each other. But oh, I was only kidding, really, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I've always kind of wondered. Cause, I mean, but it, it, it was a very, very competitive time. Uh, the British music scene, you know, the bands were so, as you know, so uh, divergent, like from Dex's Midnight Runners, The Cure, Duran Duran, Spandau Ballet, I don't know, Soft Cell, Depeche Mode, ABC. There was a uh, Culture Club. There was so many, the Human League, there's so many different groups around. So it was, it, it was very competitive. And each week there'd be a new development in sound and uh, somebody with a new angle on music. So in that respect, it was a very uh, inspiring time. Now, ABC was born from the, the Sheffield uh, yeah. Manchester scene. Well, Sheffield, north of England, uh, was where we sort of formed out of frustration, really. And we were always trying to make a connection between the records we'd hear in the clubs um, and, and the music we'd play at home. So the, the connection between Joy Division and um, Earth, Wind and Fire. So sort of out of that came the music. Uh, it's our music, ABC's music. There's a lot of bands that were born from that city. Yeah. Um, uh, from, from Sheffield. Yeah, Def Leppard were from Sheffield. Um, the Human League. Joe Cocker. Heaven 17. Heaven 17. Yeah. Now, is there, is there a special camaraderie that you have with those bands today because of that connection? Yeah. Um, I noticed you tour with them a lot. Because I... I, I mean, I think because I think you guys have toured with Human League, and I think you're going to tour again with Heaven Seventeen. So it's kind of yeah, like... I'm going to play some shows in December in the UK. Um, yeah, there is. As the years roll by, there's a, a great deal of respect for any musician that's you know been around for more than 15 minutes, and um, and also to stand on a stage in 2008, it is a privilege and an honour, uh, and in my case, to to perform The Look of Love and Poison Arrow and, and When Smokey Sings and Be Near Me. So. Um, I think there's a lot of respect about the way people carry themselves in 2008. It's, do, you, do you find it surprising or, or, or I, I presume a happy surprise that sort of the 80s have had this you know, resurgence? I think uh, a lot of things are at play. Big hair, big tunes, big choruses. Uh, it was all kind of very J.R. Ewing, if you think about it, the, the 80s pop scene. Yeah, it was big. Uh, I think people like the big choruses, but there is an element of um, looking back to an age when uh, life was less complicated, uh, less debts, less uh, confusion. Uh, 
also when you look at all those kind of crazy homemade 80s sort of pop videos they're kind of quaint aren't they they're kind of amusing and entertaining yeah. whereas today people seem to take it a lot more seriously and it's a lot more professional and a lot more corporate in the way right. people operate well it's funny because back then it's kind of it's kind of homemade and stuck together yeah. and that, that applies to abc and, and madonna and prince when you actually look at those clips they're kind of um they're just people with your friends, you know what I mean? And, and they're kind of pretty ramshackle. Yeah, but, I think people love that. Yeah, but your videos, the ABC videos, I mean, to almost anybody from the 80s, those really stand out. I mean, you guys did hellaciously great videos back then. Uh, there was no British music uh, industry, so I suppose that was that was what was happening. Uh, sorry, film industry. So everybody in the music in- industry was trying to sort of make their own little movies. Yeah, now, was that a was that a strategy on your behalf that hey we're gonna we're gonna do videos that really stand out above the rest? Well, after after seeing like the, the punk rock was really it was exciting really exciting growing up as a kid with that, but it never the back then the Pistols and the Clash never really became as big as you wanted them to. They became bigger later. Uh, so my generation coming through afterwards kind of realized we wanted to make really international pop music. And we wanted our music to travel the world. So I think that's definitely part of that ambition uh, is definitely why, why people started making clips. Also, um, everybody wanted to look different. Uh, and it wasn't really a high fashion scene or anything. It was just homemade stuff, uh, stuff you found in thrift stores. And, you know, just, just, I don't know, really. It was just a mania. Now, that gold suit of yours that's so famous, yeah. that was no thrift store find, was it? Yeah, no, I had that made up by a guy in, uh, Car- on Carnaby Street in London, yeah. You might, you might be the most famous, you might own the most famous outfit from the 80s. I've got to look, well, I had three gold suits, and one of them got stolen once in Coventry. I left one in Japan. I do have one. But I had some more made up uh, in recent years for, um, for, for Star Trek The Next Generation, yeah. Yeah, so we'll get to see one in Vegas. ABC, the, 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 the regeneration. Yeah. <laughs> So we get to see one in concert this time around? Yeah, I've usually got, I bring a couple of things over, but yeah, there's usually a few shiny things there. Yeah, got to carry that flag. Any time, any place, every shape, every face brings memories of you. I want to talk to you a second about um, Lexicon of Love. A lot of people think of that as being... I know it's widely considered to be one of the top 100 albums of all time. That's kind, yeah. It, it's, it's a beautiful album. And, and uh, my question is, you know, these days, with the sort of uh, you know, iPod and iTunes culture, is it sort of almost discouraging in a way to, to try to make an album that's... I mean, that lexicon of love, in my mind, has to be, almost be listened to start to finish to really, truly enjoy it. But you, don't, you can't do that these days, can you? Um... Or maybe you can. In a way, albums are too long now, aren't they? Because they used to be like nine songs or ten songs. And most artists could, could fulfill that contract with the audience. But now they have to be 12 or 16 songs. So I think sometimes that stretches things a little bit. Um, but the lexicon of, yeah, it was conceived with a start, a middle, and a finish, really. Um, so maybe I should turn it into a musical or something. That would be beautiful. But it, it did seem to have um, a life of its own, and it, it, it kind of... It's kind of very epic, you know, we put orchestration on it. It, it seemed to just, it, it was a whole career in itself, if, if you think, in a way. Yeah. 
I'd love to see you come back and do a tour where you just play that, that album start to finish. Well, yes. I'm thinking of doing a date at the Albert Hall in London in uh, April with a full orchestra uh, to do that. So that's maybe something I'll put together uh, and come and do in the United States. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. We would love that over here. Um, the, um, now, Trevor Horn played a big role. Yeah. What was it like working with him? Well, uh, fantastic. Yeah, Trevor Horn's got an incredible sense of humor. And um, he was really... Uh, we were very ambitious. We wanted to make something that would last a long time in a way. Uh, uh, we had a lot of... So, yeah, Trevor was really encouraging. You know, if we had an idea, he would he would make it uh, make it a reality. And, you know, he said, if you want somebody to play clarinet on your record, you don't have to go away for 25 years and learn clarinet and bring somebody in. So it was, it was to make a very cinem- cinemascope sort of record, yeah, cinematic record. So yeah, he was great. I mean, um, it was it was a lot. It, the, the record sounds very sumptuous and luxuriant, sort of to, by today's standards, I suppose. But it was done very quickly over in a really small studio over in um, Brick Lane, which is like a really funky part of London. So it was a laugh. It was really good fun making that making the legs kind of. Now, I understood you, you sort of reunited with Trevor, or you, you performed with him yeah. at, at Wembley a couple of years ago when he was... Yeah, the, they have a thing called the Prince's Trust, where Prince Charles comes down, he does it for, for charities, uh, uh, youth charities, so it was uh, an evening of um, Trevor, Hor- Trevor Horn produces, so it was, um, we played alongside... Uh, Grace Jones, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Yes, uh, The Pet Shop Boys. I'm trying to think. There was loads of acts, yeah. Anyone he'd worked with. Yeah, that Seal. Must have been a night. That must have been a heck of a night. Uh, there was a lot of people there. So it was it was a great event. So, yeah, it was great reuniting with Ann Dudley, who'd done, the, done the, um, a lot of the orchestration on the Lexicon of Love, and also Gary Langdon, who, who was the mix en- uh, recording engineer. Who I've just worked recently with, uh, he's just been mixing a new album for me called Traffic. Yeah, I've, I've heard the uh, the first uh, single from that. It's fantastic. Oh, cheers! I, I can't. I hope you will uh, be releasing it here in the U.S. soon. Yeah, just getting that organized. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm a. Uh, I'm going to be the first one to buy one. I guarantee. Oh, nice one. Well, you don't, you don't need to buy one, but yeah, <laughs> I have to buy one. The um, I, I want to talk about the hits for a second. You know, Look of Love and Poison Arrow are easily you know are two fantastic classics. But it always seemed odd to me that, that it would be songs like How to Be a Millionaire and Be Near Me that actually charted a little bit higher over here. Yeah. What, how do you explain? I mean, that, that must have seemed odd at the time to you. Um, or, or maybe not. Well, initially, when we came over, um, we'd had a lot of success in Europe, and it was like starting all over again in, in the United States. And the trends and the, the, the atmosphere musically was very different. So... I guess, you know, the record company worked Let's Gonna Love uh, and Poise Now and The Look of Love, but that was the sort of st- starting blocks. Uh, when we came to make How to Be a Zillionaire, we just wanted to do something entirely different. So that's how Millionaire and uh, Be Near Me came about. But those, we made a lot of um, cartoon videos that really took off and did like a lot of mixes for the clubs, uh, which really took those records up the charts. I know it's just different. Um, 
funny enough, I never really performed Be Near Me in the UK. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't really a big tune there, but it's a popular record uh, in America. Now, a song like When Smokey Sings. Now, I understand you actually once played that on Soul Train. Yeah, yeah, we, we did. Did a king without a crown and uh, When Smokey Sings. Yeah. Uh, Don Cornelius, yeah. It must have been the first new romantic band to ever play Soul Train. Yeah, I know Bowie did it and Elton John. So it was a great... Um it was a great honor to be asked to do Soul Train. Yeah, we, I mean, I, I grew up listening to a lot of R&B and soul, so it was a great um, accolade. And from that, we met Smokey Robinson. So it was really, uh, it was really interesting to have written a song about somebody. You know, you, you've got to be careful what you write songs about, because it, um, meeting him became a reality. It was really interesting. What, what did he say about the song? Well, he invited us up to, I met him originally in Holland. We, he was doing a TV show there, and then about... Four weeks later, I met him in Los Angeles, and by then, uh, his record and our record were both in the top five. So, um, he invited us over to Motown. He was the managing director of Motown at the time in, in Los Angeles. Wow. But, you know, for a kid that's grown up listening to Tears of a Clown and, um, you know, and, and, and alongside Smokey, Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder, you know, it was a great, great honour. Hey, um, did I read somewhere that you actually coached um, Hugh Grant on yeah. uh, music and lyrics? Uh, yeah, about two years ago. What was that like? Warner Brothers phoned me up and said, would I go to New York and stay in a five-star hotel for, <laughs> for a long period of time? Tough decision. And I said, okay, you can twist my arm a bit more, you know. And um, they were doing uh, this film, Music and Lyrics, where, where Hugh Grant was playing like um, uh, a singer who was writing songs a singer who'd started off in the 80s, so they figured if he was a singer, he would sound like me. So they got me down there to show him a couple of moves, really, and to um, to kind of encourage him. He wasn't really a natural singer. He's, he's a, I mean, he's a much better actor than he is a singer. Um, but he worked really hard, and um, they had me down there just to kind of, in, just to get it going, yeah. Did, uh, so they paid me a lot of money. It was great, and uh, I ate well, and the air miles were fantastic. <laughs> uh, but Hugh did all the singing, yeah. Yeah. I, did you like the song that they ended up with? I thought it was almost, it captured the '80s really well. Uh, in, a, in a in a satire. Pop goes my heart was the, the kind of tune of thing. Yeah, yeah. I th- actually, you know what? I think there's more. I think there's way more comedy in the 1980s than they. I think they touched on it, and I thought it was a pretty amusing film. But I, I kind of want Spinal Tap too, the the video years, don't you? Yeah, definitely. That could be. That could go. You know, but pop, uh, pop, pop goes my heart. Pop. Yeah, that's that's the tune they had at the beginning of the tune. The the video that they they came up with that goes with it is is genius. And, yeah, uh, I thought that. I went to the premiere, and I. I I would have had more of that because the video happens and then they drop into the narrative, don't they? Yeah. I would have just had the video because, the, yeah, that brought back some fond memories for me, yeah. Now, I understand you're also friends with um, Tony Hadley of Spando Ballet. Yeah, I've just done a, 
I know Tony very well from performing, uh, but we just went to Costa Rica to do a trek for um, for a charity. And about two years ago, we went and did a trek in Venezuela with about 40 people. Uh, uh, you kind of walk, walk up to the Lost World, and, and this time we went from coast to coast in uh, Costa Rica. So I know Tony quite well, yeah. He's a lot of fun. Good singer. Are you going to be able to talk him into getting Spando Ballet back together? Yeah, I mean, that subject occasionally comes up, yeah. And every couple of months it seems to come around. But, um... I tried to get. I don't know. Up. I don't I know. It's, a, it's a kind of raw subject, raw topic with those guys, oh, with no. Tony. Yeah, I, it's, I think it's a dream lineup. Fat lady hasn't sung yet, though. You see. Yeah, I mean, do you but think... I don't know. They did. They did end up in court a few years ago, and it did get pretty acrimonious. Oh, but time heals all wounds, doesn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. It, I think it would be. Personally, I'd love to see it, but um, I don't know. I don't know if that that's going to take place in the next six months or the next six years. I, don't, I just don't know. Uh, the sooner the better, I hope. Well, you know, uh, Tony's Tony's a phenomenal singer. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I loved Spando Ballet when they were around. Now you, you kind of they can kind of be um, categorized same as you as New Romantics, but is that a label you really like? Or I, I've heard the, I've heard the, the term Northern Soul. Yeah, I never really liked the t- term New Romantic at the time, but um, then again, though, uh, with the Lexicon of Love and with Look of Love, Poison Now, yeah. The, we did want to bring back a lot of ro- a romantic edge to the music and a hard edge, just in the same way that Bruce Springsteen's got a romantic edge, you know, when he did Born to Run or, yeah. you know what I mean, like um, a sort of epic quality. So I don't know, really. I'm really bad on, t- you know, there are worse names. <laughs> yeah, retired would be a bad name. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I've had, you know what? I don't care anymore. After 25 years, yeah, I'm, I'm here. An elder statesman of pop. 